0: Man's ability to encounter truth generally comes through two means or two ways. One is through understanding. That's the use of our reason to discursively understand those things in the world, those created realities, and those things that are invisible, like angels and miracles to understand what truth is. The other means by which we mostly understand truth is through authority aided by our reason and understanding and experience we submit ourselves to the authority of another when they are considered masters or doctors of a certain subject. It's why we give degrees to people. It's why people go to school It's why we trust medical doctors, because they went to school to know what they were talking about. It's why we trust professors to speak on subjects that they're talking about. But in the first century, there wasn't a school system that awarded PhDs. In fact, for the most part, the most learned people were overwhelmingly religious people or those who studied law. And yet the truth was expected and accepted by the people of the first century and for many centuries prior to that and after that, not because somebody obtained a degree, but simply because of the authority with which they spoke or the clarity and logic with which they reasoned. Now, St. Paul is certainly no exception to the rule of both authority and understanding. And you and I, dear brothers and sisters, listen to St. Paul almost day after day and certainly week after week as we hear it read in the Mass. And yet, have any of us tried to discredit him and say, well, you know, he didn't go to the best university in Jerusalem? No, we accept his authority. Why? Because of what he preached and how he lived But also because, if you read the bulk of the New Testament, you realize St. Paul wrote most of it. (laughs) And what he didn't write, he featured in prominently, save the Gospels themselves. The reason I bring this up is because the transfiguration, in many ways, defies both authority and learning. The authority of God is unquestioned. God said... This is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And yet, as skeptics as we are, we don't necessarily want to accept that. And our Lord knows that. And so in the life of Christ, and in the teachings of Christ, we see all that authority of God's Word (coughs) supported by the reasons He gives. And in today's letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, we see this dynamic interacting. We accept that Paul speaks boastfully at times in his letters. He says, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. That's a pretty bold statement to say that you're worthy of being imitated. Yet Paul does not back down in that encouragement. And he says today, observe those who those who conduct themselves according to the model you have in us and so paul supports his authority through the virtues that he lives and in a world brothers and sisters that is scandalized often and unfortunately by the leadership of the church it's very important for you the faithful who are much more in the world and there's many more of you to conduct yourselves according to the model you have in Christ and in teachers like Paul. But Paul goes a little deeper in today's reading. And it ties in beautifully with the transfiguration. Because what is the transfiguration but the revealing of God's authority over all of creation. His divine light shines forth in the darkness and the abyss of man's sinfulness. But Paul sets up a great juxtaposition. The light of Christ... And those who he calls enemies of the cross of Christ. And what does he say about the enemies of the cross of Christ? He said, one, that their end is destruction. And if you think about it, those who live away from God, those who say they are better than God, those who say there is no God, what is the ultimate result of all their reasoning and all their authority? Nothingness. That the world means nothing and your life is meaningless. That their end is destruction. That ultimately we're all just trying to kill each other so that we can survive longer than the person before or behind us. He then says their God is their stomach. This is a very pointed statement mostly towards the reality that people oftentimes, even the very learned, were grossly guided by their desires, and had no ability to control themselves. And think about it, the scandal of Christians, especially Christians in authority, who have no ability to control themselves, caught in sins of the flesh, driving around in cars that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and flying in personal jets. Their God is their stomach, their passions are <coughs> ruling over them. He then says their glory is in their shame. They take delight, those who hate God and are enemies of Christ. They take delight in the shame that comes with knowing that they've done something wrong and smiling that clever smile as they get away with it. We all know that. Look, we've maybe even done it ourselves. When mom says, don't touch the cookie jar, and you take three cookies out, and you smile at her and wink and say, I didn't do anything wrong, you know you did wrong, and there's glory in your shame. Or maybe we see, as Paul says finally, their minds are occupied with earthly things. When we reject God, when we act as if he doesn't exist, or we say that we're smarter than God and any God that you can present to us, what becomes the ultimate horizon for us? It's no longer heaven. It's no longer anything beyond us. But it is only the earth in front of us. And as Ash Wednesday reminds us, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return If your life is meaningless and there's no hope for anything better, then that's it. That's the end of the story. Dust is to where you return and you become the food of worms. But Paul proposes, just as the transfiguration reveals, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we also await our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That when Christ revealed himself for that moment of time to Peter and James and John, as he conversed with Moses and Elijah, he revealed the glory for a moment of the heavenly kingdom. That refulgence of light, that his face was filled with the light of fire, as if the hottest spot on our own sun. This was the light of Christ. And Paul goes on to say, he will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body. That means that in heaven, that in the resurrection, the heavenly resurrection, our bodies will be glorified and transfigured just as Christ is. If we have lived a life worthy of that gift. He says the power that enables him to bring all things into subjection to himself is the authority of Christ to have dominion over all creation. All that is visible and invisible. And if we live as if Christ truly has that authority, it means He has the ability to overcome all sin, all destruction, all division. So if you are wearied with those things, if you're wearied with the world, if you're wearied with that destructive relationship, if you're wearied with the division in your relationships with your friends and your family, if you're wearied from living a life of sin and meaninglessness, As Lent always gives us that beautiful reminder, return, that is, repent, turn away from the world that offers you nothing, and turn to the life of God that offers you abundance.